0: Stand by for The Hook.
1: Welcome to The Hook with Katie Kempner, Vice
2: President of Agency Communications at Crispin, Porter & Bogusky, the most awarded advertising agency in the world every tuesday at the intersection of advertising and pr the hook where katie talks with advertising visionaries top journalists cutting-edge creatives authors and pr gurus hear what these industry insiders have to say about the changing landscape of advertising and pr today now here's your host katie kempner Hello, I'm Katie Kempner. Today is Tuesday, August 14th, and you are listening to The Hook where each week I talk to advertising, branding, and public relations insiders who are both leading and covering the industry. My hope is that by listening to these thought leaders, you will find inspiration and new ideas and have some fun along the way. So today's show is the first with my new half an hour format. It seems that and it's certainly not a surprise to me or anyone at Webmaster that people prefer to listen to the show as a podcast and Half an hour makes more sense. So, Shikianu, which is a word that my grandfather used to say whenever you were doing something new for the first time, there you have it. I hope you enjoy it. Half an hour. My guest today, who actually we probably need, we'll have to have her back now that it's a half an hour show because she has so much to talk about. She's been a friend of mine for many years. She's a super cool person. Here's a little bit about her before I introduce her. Samantha De is the founder and president of De Communications. It's public relations and marketing. Communications Boutique, which began in October of 2005. During its first 15 months, the consultancy has yielded quantifiable and qualifiable business to business results for various advertising, media, marketing, entertainment, production, and digital clients, ranging from award-winning creative boutiques to emerging content providers to global ad agencies. She's been an integral force in managing the public image and creative product reputations for some of the industry's best-known talent, spanning Ty Montague to Jordan Weissman, Ollie Merkin, who's a great friend of mine, used to work here, to Jose Mola, also a great friend of mine, never worked here, Bill Hamilton to Bob Isherwood, not friends with either of those guys. Previously, Sam built and oversaw the global communications team at JWT, where she helped reposition the agency both externally and internally on its path to become a more viable creative shop. She boasts over 15 years of solid relationships with industry influencers and journalists in the business and trade press. And uh, in her spare time, she loves to etch, play on a competitive softball team, and loves to travel. And she is a totally fun and cool person. It's my pleasure to welcome her to the show. Hi, Sam. Hi, Katie. Wow. <laughs> Where
1: did you find that? I don't know, but, <laughs> but that's fabulous. <laughs> I must have a good PR person. <laughs> I know. Nice to be here with you today, and thanks so much for asking me on and i've got to tell you I think you're a real fun person too and you're you're darn good at what you do, so it's a delight to uh to be on your show
2: thank you thank you thank you're you Hopefully you'll feel that way after half an hour no just
1: <laughs>
2: uh. So, you know, um, let's just jump right in. I mean, I think that you did what a lot of people in in different jobs, but a lot of PR people sitting at their desk day after day, it's their fantasy, they contemplate, you know what, I'm gonna go start my own shop, but it really is so difficult. I mean, how did you go about you know, what what made you decide to do it and I mean that's probably obvious. How did you actually make it happen?
1: Yeah, you know, it was a bit of a risk and uh a risk that I feel has has yielded wonderful reward for me almost two years since I started. Um, I had been, for many years, sort of in big ad agencies, either in or running the corporate communications team. And I think after a while, while I loved big agency life, I just felt like there was more out there to explore. There are so many wonderful agencies ranging from the coolest creative boutiques to agencies that are more uh, planning specific uh, to all sorts of different, I should say, advertising, media, marketing, entertainment type companies. And just felt like I really wanted to work with uh, a, a broader range of company. And... Took the risk to leave a, a really nice job at JWT, and uh, was lucky enough to have opened up with two clients, Zenith Optimedia and SSNK. Mm-hmm. One of which, uh, the former of which, is a global media buying planning uh, company, and the latter of which is a really cool mid-sized independent agency based here in New York with offices all over the U.S. And it was that sort of, those two agencies, I'm lucky enough to say, really gave me the uh, the springboard to to build a nice business. And uh, I don't regret a, a second of the 80-hour weeks I've been dedicated <laughs> to getting this thing up and running. So... So
2: what's a typical day for you? I mean, if there is such a thing as I love when people ask me typical. There's no typical day. You know what? what there what, isn't what, a typical, typical day. As you as know as well as
1: I, that when you work in PR, uh, you know, the news cycle sort of ends up dictating what our day is like. Every night I write myself a to-do list of all of the things I need to accomplish the next day, and what ends up happening as the day begins is, you know, whatever crisis du jour emerges, or whatever call I happen to receive from a reporter who's breaking a piece of news or news that 's leaking or whatever that that sort of spins and spins my day off in a number of what well, could be a number of different directions. Um, what could a typical daylight like, be like? It could range from making proactive Press calls to try to publicize news going on at any one of my clients. Uh, to sitting and compare, doing sort of competitive analyses and surveys of websites, marketing communications materials, presentation materials, etc., for various. Uh, you know, industry competitors to offer one of my clients strategic recommendations on their marketing and communications materials. It could be pitching a client for a speaking engagement at a major conference. Could be managing a crisis, a totally unforeseen crisis. And I'm sure you know as well as I that the the day-to-day job of a, a public relations practitioner is never what one expects it to be.
2: Yeah, that's what I love about it, actually, you know, because, I mean, if I, had, if I had to go to work and knew I was doing the same thing all day long, I don't think I could handle it.
1: That's You know what? I've got to tell you the truth. That's the very thing I love. And what I'm realizing about being self-employed and having such a, a range of wonderful different types of clients all under sort of one marketing communications blanket, but all sorts of different clients in that blanket there are different challenges and different uh, scope of work and just different opportunities with each client and it keeps the days really fresh and really exciting for me and it also helps me to find to continue to fine tune uh, my skills and really you know build tailored programs for each of the clients well let's
2: talk about one one of your skills which I know is you know dealing with journalists and you have great Great uh, relationships with journalists. Um, what do you think? What do you think is one of the is the best way to get a journalist interested in a story?
1: You know, I truly believe that this is a relationship business, and this is a business that requires a lot of face time and personal one-on-one time. What I'm noticing, I've got a great, great team in the office uh, that I'm very pleased with, but what I've noticed through a number of interns that we've taken in and then maybe not made offers to is that... There's a new generation of people out there who sort of mask themselves behind the Internet. They're afraid to pick up a phone. They're afraid to go out to a meeting. I don't know if they're afraid. They just haven't been socialized in the same way that someone of your or my generation, we're the old fogies now, Katie, but they they haven't been socialized in the same way, and they really mask a lot of what they do behind IM, chat emails, etc. Well, you know, a huge amount of the business that I do is over the uh, over email and, and online. I also am a huge proponent of keeping the personal relationships going. And pitching a journalist isn't necessarily about putting together a pitch letter and, you know, putting 12 proof points and five PowerPoint decks and three bios into some big mass email and pushing it out and then waiting two days, like the old formula said, and starting to follow up. It's entirely different. It's about picking up the phone to a reporter that you've known for the past 15, 16 years and saying, hey... I've got a story I really need you to uh to consider, and here's why and you you work on the relationship I'm not about the hard sell i i truly and i think and I think this is true of you as well though I won't presume to know exactly what your style is <laughs> I think you know in this industry, which is a pretty niche specific industry, mm-hmm. we know as p r people as p r professionals what a good story is and what a, a story that and an agency may think is a big story, but that we know won't necessarily sell into a reporter or into that reporter's editor. We can gauge the difference. And I think, you know, integrity of name has been a big, big operating uh, value, you know, a huge core value for me. My name Mm -hmm. is very important to me. My good name is very important to me. I'm not going to pitch bs to a journalist so i keep very honest with my clients and if there's a story about you know the new internal training program that they're sending all their interns through that they think could be on the front page of (laughs) adage you know i'm going to be pretty honest with my clients about the fact that that's not typically what sells to the front page of adage but likewise i am not going to pitch at age, unless I really think that we've got a well-put-together, substantiated uh, pitch. So to go back to your original question, I know I, I, this is sort of a long-winded answer.
2: No, but it's I, a good one. Uh,
1: I, I determine whether I think that there is a viable story idea, whether it's more of a feature-driven, trend-driven type piece or, or, you know, some hard news. And then I pick up the phone and I make a phone call, and if I need to follow up on the phone call, in writing with a little bit of a pitch, you know, a few proof points, that's all good and fine, but I am not a huge fan of the big lengthy traditional pitch letters that sound formulaic and sound and sound really sort of cookie cutter. You know, you you have
2: made what I happen to believe is is the best point one of the essence of being a good PR person, which is that, you know, you need to have wonderful relationships with journalists. I, I happen to also, you know, you and I do operate un- under the same way, so maybe one day you'll give me a job. <laughs> <It> <laughs> or is my first um, you know, You have to have great relationships with journalists, but you also have to realize that they have to go to their editor or their next-in-command and say, this is a great story. So you could have a wonderful relationship with Stuart Elliott of the New York Times, and if your story is ridiculous... He's not interested in doing it. It doesn't mean he doesn't like you, but, you know, it doesn't. And and on the flip side, it's also true that then next time you call him pushing a story, he's going to say, wait a second, last time she tried to push the story that made no sense. Maybe I'm not going to listen this time.
1: That's so true. That's a huge point. It's sort of like what I explained to some of my clients. It's like the boy who cried wolf. You don't want to keep pounding on journalists' doors. Let's be strategic. There are a lot of really tactical, really hard sell flack types out there, and I don't consider myself to be one of those. I don't consider you, and I don't consider a lot of our peers in this industry to be those, because we we sort of differentiate the, uh, the, the real news and the real stories from the, you know, <laughs> not as real stories, and we need to be strategic about what we go to journalists with, because we do want them to return our calls. I, I mean, you know, what value do I bring to the plate for any prospective client that may want to hire me or a client that's currently working with me? I have good enough relationships with those journalists that they do answer my calls. And if I've got a client in crisis, they will hear out our side of the story. It's not like banging on a door of some journalist you've never spoken to before. Or if I've got a client with a big story, they will hear it out and uh, and and possibly bring it up the ladder to their editors. But that's because I slash we've spent a, lo- a number of years not going to them with Every pitch that comes across our desks and every pitch that comes our way. There's only a certain number of times a journalist is going to write the big positive story about any one company. I mean, actually, I will say, if anything, Katie, your agency, Crispin, is is the anomaly. You guys have had for years now such a, a wonderful flow and trickle of news, and you know, no matter where anybody looks, they're reading about Crispin, and it almost defies all odds. <laughs> but of what journalists are willing to cover. And, you know, maybe that's uh, a counter thesis to the point I was just trying to make, that if if an agency is doing well enough and if there is enough good work surrounding it, journalists will cover it. But I'm sure there's a method to the madness and a strategy. You're not sending every single breaking campaign, for example, to these reporters. You're waiting for the best of the best and then creating social phenomena, you know, cultural phenomena by building buzz around, you know, the very best of campaigns, whether it's a mini, whether it's the truth, whether it's Burger King. Anyhow, uh, you know. that's thank you. I, should I mean, be we're your PR PR person. we're very strategic
2: about about how we do things, and we have been very lucky for the most part. And uh, you know what? Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to talk to you about something uh, that we sort of were about to touch on, or I thought so, about the internet and blogging. And we'll be back right after this.
0: Sit tight and don't move. The Hook. We'll be back after this short break. Hey, what are you reading? Revenue Magazine. It keeps me up to date on everything in performance marketing. Yeah? I get all my information online. (laughs) I don't see a computer next to your boogie board there. Well, I've got a regular magazine here. (laughs) Revenue Magazine is the only hard copy magazine that covers affiliate marketing techniques, search technologies, online fraud prevention, and interactive advertising, branding, and marketing. My magazine's got pictures. Revenue Magazine has everything for online marketers, affiliates, merchants, agencies, and networks. And you can read previous issues, blogs, and more at revenuetoday.com. Wow. mine's got a centerfold. Revenue Magazine the performance marketing standard. For more information, go to revenuetoday.com. Mr. Scott, I can't get any more information onto our website. I'm doing the best I can, Captain. There's no more room on the server. It's going to blow. Evaluation, Mr. Scott. The logical answer is Lunar Pages. Reputation, reliability, and legendary 24-7 support makes Lunar Pages the host to cling on to. Did you say cling on? Captain. sign up at LunarPages.com and get $700 off coffee cup software absolutely free if you call, they will answer Lunar Pages it is beam us aboard Mr. Scott for out of this world web hosting Lunar Rocks sign up for web hosting with LunarPages.com and use coupon code LUNATICS to get $28 off your quest for an e commerce solution has found its final destination. Fly over to fasttransact.com today! Has anyone seen Brian? He needs to do Blog Buzz. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> what did he say? His Excellency, Prescott the Hut, is disappointed why you did not make him the host of Blog Buzz. But the name of the show is Blog Buzz. Oh, Kitsitsa Ha Ha. His Excellency will be leaving now Blog Buzz on demand five times a week, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Don't get caught in a web of confusion. Learn the ropes on WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. <laughs> Now back to The Hook,
2: the intersection of advertising and PR.
0: Only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's your host.
2: Welcome back. I'm Katie Kemner and I am talking to my friend Sam DeGenero, founder and president of DeGenero Communications. Hello, Sam. Hi there, Katie. How are you? Good, good, good. So we were talking right before the break about how we're almost really from a different generation at this point to, to the new people going into, into PR and how we, you know, when, when you and I started out in PR, email was, you know, didn't exist. Blessed. Exactly. I mean, when I first started out, we didn't have email. You know, I've been doing this for 12 years now, and then we had it internally. And, but So everything was so much more on the phone and in person, and it's less and less. And yet, so many people are getting their news in, in different ways. I want to know how you counsel your clients in terms of dealing with the Internet and dealing with blogs and, you know, how much time you spend
1: with online
2: stuff these days.
1: Yep, there's no one answer. There's not one sort of key strategic recommendation about the internet or the blogosphere or electronic media that is applicable to every single client. So it really, you know, my counsel to clients depends upon what their specific business goals and objectives are and how our PR plan and strategy aligns with their business goals and objectives. That mm-hmm. said, people are consuming their news online now more than they ever have before to date, and it, that, you know that's only going to increase moving forward. I think that uh, there are a lot of people out there that are still a little bit myopic in thinking that they need to see their photo or their name or their quote or their headline in print. I'm a traditionalist and I still carry around my newspapers and my magazines and I do a lot of paper-based reading. Mm-hmm. So and I don't think these newspapers are going away anytime in the immediate future. So um I will say that yeah, every once in a while there is a need to be in print. That said, you know, Internet, blogosphere, electronic media, et cetera, that's a growing, growing audience. That's a growing uh, medium, I should say. And I think that clients and agencies, companies, CEOs, C-level executives who have enough prescience to realize that the more they can root themselves in electronic media, the more relationships they can build with reporters covering, um, you know, the .dot com edition or the electronic edition or the uh, pushed electronic newsletter product, etc., the better it will be for their for their own buzz and visibility moving forward. Not to mention that the World Wide Web is precisely what its name says: worldwide. It gives you. Instant globality. It gives you instant pass along effect. And now, with all of I have one client, uh, Digitoff, that was in the New York Times last week. We had a wonderful story on the front page of the business section. Oh, yeah, that was fantastic. Found out that that, that story had the most. It it ended up on the New York Times' most emailed list of the day. It was the number one most emailed story that day. I don't know if I explained that very well, but long story short, the additional buzz, additional arms and legs, and just the additional mileage uh, that Digitas received from the pass-along of that story, not to mention what has unfolded, In the blogosphere, over the past six business days since that story broke, um, ninety percent of which is really interesting, open dialogue and open banter um, surrounding a few of the points that were made in the story. This is all very, very positive for clients, and I do feel that you know the the couple of negative comments, there will always be negative comments in the blogosphere. There will always be, obviously and hopefully, objectivity in news reporting and neutrality in news reporting that, you know, opens discussions about both pros and cons of any given thesis. I think that sort of stuff, the, the negative comments or the more neutral comments, far, far, far uh, are far less important than the fact that there is so much positive and so much return on investment and so much extra mileage that could come out of the electronic media. You know, that's great. And congratulations. That was a super story. Thank you. You're Thank. welcome. And the, very exciting. It, it was long in the works, uh, and it was it was one of these stories that was long in the works in terms of feeding the story idea, but it all came together so, so quickly that, mm-hmm. that, that it was like a, an 11th hour rush turnaround, and I'm sure you know what those are about.
2: No, yeah, that's how it usually is. But now, you, you, you bring up an excellent point. So, the story was placed. It was a great story. It was in the newspaper, how people wanted it to, you know, how... Older school clients really still wanted to be, and then it was also online, and every and it was number one story of the day, and it opened up this dialogue. But now, going back to an old school PR problem, and you may not there may not actually be an answer to this. How do you track that? How do you prove the return on investment to your client? Well. Uh, a forward-thinking client, it might be easier, like like digitas. But
1: how do you track that
2: these days? Yeah,
1: it is very. It's difficult to track. It's difficult to monitor. First of all, there is the wonderful, wonderful thing called Google Alerts and all sorts of LexisNexis, Factiva, et cetera. So we're obviously sort of monitoring what's going on through the the various uh, search tools and Google uh, and alert electronic alert tools. In terms of metrics, you know, this is a a, a new and evolving sort of space, and it's really difficult to put quantifiable metrics, to attach quantifiable metrics to um, PR and buzz generated in the blogosphere at this point. But what I would put out there is that if you can, in the same way, a lot of... uh, ad agencies and marketing companies right now Mm -hmm. are talking to their clients in terms of there's been a shift from monologue to dialogue. There's been a shift from pushed message to sort of engagement and, and interactive participatory messaging. And if you can measure the success of a brand by the amount of time a consumer, or in this case, an end user, an end reader spends with your brand. Mm-hmm. Just by the sheer volume of uh, blogs that are now talking about Digitas, many in a, in a very cool Positive, the majority in a very cool, positive, visionary way sort of lauding some of what the agency is doing, uh, if, if you look at the sheer volume of blogs that are now talking about them and, and, and the people, just lay people who are participating in that dialogue, I think that that's the closest that we come to what will be moving forward a workable metric for uh, PR in the sort of internet space and digital space.
2: Well, and I think, blo- I mean, blogs are such. I mean, they're very uncontrollable, right, in so many ways. So, Mm -hmm. today they're talking wonderfully about your client. Something else happens. They're not talking, you know, quite as positively anymore. Mm -hmm. They're very, I mean, is there a way, how do you counsel your clients regarding blogs? Do you counsel them to get involved in the conversation or just to let the
1: conversation happen? Yeah, good question. And I I will say this a little bit goes back to my probably obtuse answer to your first question about the blogs, which it's sort of dealt with on a client by client basis and the recommendations are, are tailored depending upon what what the situation at hand is or what the client's business objectives are, that said, there are a few different ways to look at it. First of all, at companies that have employees who are active bloggers, it's very, very important to set up some sort of a policy, some sort of standard, some sort of style guide to ensure that... Uh, you know, the average employee isn't out there talking about his or her agency's clients in the blogosphere, positive or negative. It's just there There needs to be a standard, uh, you know, a corporate-enforced standard and style in place. There needs to be, you know, sort of a decision about whether the employee as blogger is an individual or is sort of labeled and branded as... A, an employee of a certain company. So that's sort of one blanketed way of dealing with the blogosphere, having to figure out how to handle and how to enforce Mm -hmm. some sort of style surrounding employees who are bloggers. Um, Then there is a situation where agencies have public blogs. So... uh, employees are on there actually blogging on behalf of the agency but there are open comment boards and what do you do if if Joe Schmo from outer space comes on and and trashes your agency on the agency's blog itself or trashes some of the work you're doing or something of the sort I think you know in situations like that you really need to I am not a, a believer in censorship I just don't believe censorship is right. I think that at the point that any company agrees to do to doing a blog, it needs to be aware of the risk, you know, of, of possible reputation damage that is involved in opening up a, a free forum. But I also think that in this day and age, um, consumer-controlled, consumer-generated messaging, media, etc., um, clients. Who aren't willing to take that risk are operating from a little bit of a fear-based position. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in a situation like that, you you know need to deal with that on on a a, a in an ad hoc fashion. The other situation is: what if just general blogs, whether they're marketing industry blogs, whether they're verticals, whether they're even just general public lifestyle type blogs are talking about uh, the work or, or the product, a consumer product that, that an agency represents and are talking about it in a negative fashion. My counsel in situations like that is that You take a wait-and-see approach, you wait-and-see how this unfolds, because sometimes, you know, everything in the blogosphere is real-time, and sometimes as quickly as a a presumed crisis emerges, Mm -hmm. it also disappears. Um, So take a little bit of a wait-and-see approach, but continue to monitor the blog. And I am a firm believer that people need to be accountable for their words, and there is too much masking behind pseudonyms, first names, fake names, etc., that goes on in the blogosphere right now. And I think what a, a company, whether it's a, a marketer, whether it's an agency, whether, you know, it, whatever the company is, I think what they really need to do if people are out there, consumers are out there trashing their products, is in a lot of cases, not all, but a lot of cases, go on there as yourself, as, you know, John Smith, uh, head of Procter & Gamble uh, oral care division and and lay out your point of view, I really think you know there's something nice about being proactive uh, and and forthcoming and not masking yourself behind a pseudonym. There are a lot of companies out there that hire PR agencies to work specifically in the blogosphere and to like post on comment boards under pseudonyms and and to post, you know, a range of positive responses to a a consumer product, for example. And I just, I I don't know, I'm, I'm not a firm believer in that. I think honesty and like sort of above the table Tactics are the real way to go, especially in in a medium that's so emerging and that will probably only become more complex as we move forward. Well, look
2: at what happened to the CEO of Whole Foods that was doing that for so many years.
1: Yeah, yeah, bad news. And I do have to say, I just had an agency where we ended up in not a real crisis, but a bit of a mini crisis where there's a site linked to or related to Media Bistro that is called Agency Spy, and there are a bunch of no name spies, so to speak, who have. Uh, direct lines to a lot of disgruntled employees who are bad-mouthing their former agencies. And I had a a situation where one of my clients was bad-mouthed. I I really thought inappropriately, sort of personal affront, just uh, sort of lowest common denominator way of dealing. And long story short, we took a wait-and-see approach and some dialogue unfolded. And finally we got to the point where we decided that there's, a particular employee at this agency who's fairly well-known in the industry. He's just a wonderful, wonderful person, a very well-liked, very well-respected person, and he finally said, you know what, I'm just going on there as myself. I'm going to tell my side of the story because my agency rocks and I'm not going to let these others stand in the way uh, you know, of telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And he went on as his real name, and I think that it, in essence, created a newfound level of respect. Uh, the dialogue, the negativity surrounding the dialogue stopped and the conversation shifted more to uh, commenters posting comments about the employee who had gone on with his real name and, and the record straight than about the original negative posting itself so it was a really nice way of shifting the tone and timbre of the of the comments and driving the conversation in a different direction
2: yeah and I think that you're gonna ho- hopefully we'll see a lot more of that I mean you, you know you mentioned earlier and thank you very much that CPB has gotten you know a, a ton of terrific press over the years but we've also had our fair share of people, you know, with negative things, often on blogs, often untrue. Mm-hmm. And we kind of have been thinking to ourselves lately, maybe we'll go back on there, you know, and just just correct it. You know, yep. this isn't true. This isn't, you know, say what you will. You don't like our work. Okay. It's a free country, but don't say this if it's not actually correct. Yep. And that's I- I think it's interesting also to figure out who is the right person to do that because I think the message seems less genuine coming from the corporate communications department. Yeah, and that's not necessarily the the place to uh to have it. But so one one last question for you. Sure. You, I mean, you've you've been such a success. You're such a great person to have around. We have to go out for a drink very soon. I'm thinking to myself. I owe you one, Katie. And, uh, but. Do you have any advice for somebody who may be sitting at their desk thinking to themselves, I want to start my own company or I want to do something different and just sort of that's helped get you where you are today?
1: Yep. I would say take the risk and don't hide behind fears because there are always reasons to fear trying something new. People naturally uh, resist change Get over that, take the risk, and put your wholehearted, focused determination, passion, heart, and soul into doing whatever it is that you want to do, because you know what? Nobody's going to make that happen for you. You need to make it happen. You know, you, meaning the person out there, needs to make it happen for him or herself. And that's the point that I got myself to. I had always, and I didn't really mention this when you asked me before about how I got started, I had always had entrepreneurial spirit. I ran businesses when I was in college. I've always done sort of side work. I've always been a hustler, so to speak. Maybe it's because my last name's Janeiro. DeGener- I don't know, but long story short, I really, as part of my master plan, knew I wanted to be self-employed, and I didn't know when it would be, and I didn't know how it would be, and I woke up one morning a couple summers ago, and I wasn't very happy with the point that I was at in my job. I just felt like there was a lot more out I had achieved a lot of goals. I had been with my company seven years, and there was a lot more out there that I was capable of doing, and... It was scary to to think, oh my gosh, can I just try this? But if you really put your heart to it and if you really want to make it work, you'll find a way to make it work. And worst case scenario, if it doesn't and you fall flat on your butt who cares? If you were employable before, you'll be employable again. You just, you go back to what you were doing, or you find something new. Life is about change. Life is about taking chances. Life is about uh, adventure, and, you know, I I hope to think I live and breathe that every day. I've got to tell you, I've been working long hours, so I'm not doing as much adventure uh, as I'd like to do in my personal time, but but, uh, this is also, you know, I'm within the first two years of starting a business, and and I just think that for anybody out there who wants to do it, be aware that it's going to be difficult at the beginning. Don't let the setbacks get in your way. I opened up with a business partner. After two and a half months of partnership, she decided that she didn't want to do this and backed out. That was a huge setback. I could have let that tear me apart. I could have let that quash my spirit. I could have let that impede my plan, I just kept forging forward, and you know what? I couldn't be happier for having done so. It, it, it's, the biggest problem I have right now is how to scale this business. I've got more new business leads than I know what to do with, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, a lot of them are coming to me because of my own personal relationships, and I can only be in one place at one time. So that that's my biggest challenge right now. That was a very long-winded answer, but I would simply say uh, go out, follow your dreams, and don't be afraid to take that risk.
2: Well, that is wonderful advice. Now, if somebody does want
1: to get uh, in touch with you, is there a way to reach you? Absolutely. My email address, it is sam at... DGennaroNY.com that's Sam at D-I-G-E and is in Nancy another N-A-R-O-N-Y.com, or my office phone 212 966 We've got a wonderful team of six very talented PR professionals and practitioners here. If I'm not around, any one of them can help you. I don't want to make this sound like a sales pitch, but thanks for asking, Katie.
2: You're welcome, and thank you so much for joining me today. It was great talking to you. Thanks. I owe you a drink. (laughs) Sounds
1: good. (laughs) Have Have a good one.
2: And thank you for listening. That's all we have time for today, but please join me next Tuesday for another episode of The Hook. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.